Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Afterward Podcast. I'm Dave Tish. Hey, you know when you're sick, I mean, and you're sick, and you get that achy feeling up your back, the muscles, and then you get your eyes get hot, and then you're like, oh, man, I feel, I feel sick, and you just know you're feeling sick. That's the worst. There's just one thing worse than that, and that's if you have to record the Afterward Podcast with me while you're sick, and that's exactly what happened to Jay Kim this week. Jay was out of town at a conference. He's there. He's already depleted. He's exhausted. He's had a full day of learning, and then he gets sick, and he still has to record this, but Jay Kim powers through it. Jay Kim powers through it. Jay Kim does it. Why? Because Jay Kim wants to give the people what they want, and what do the people want? They want the afterword with J. Kim. This past week, we started a brand new sermon series called Idols and Songs, The Art of Remembering God's Faithfulness. And this week, we dive into the question of why remembering is so central, both in the Old Testament and New, what it does in us and to us, and why remembering is difficult in our modern age. And Jay does all this under the weather. It's astonishing. It's like Michael Jordan's flu game. He just comes out, scores 45, dishes 10, gets six rebounds. It's incredible. Just what a performance by Jay Kim. Anyway, we're going to dive in right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm here with my friend, Jay Kim. Jay, you're at a conference, and you took time out of your day just to be here. Jay, thanks. I know conferences oh. can be draining. I know that I'm probably going to get your dregs, and I know that you're probably very tired. So I just wanted to just start off with just a quick uh, a quick question, okay? Is that is that cool? Yes, please. All right. It's just, it's just a warm-up. It's just softball. Uh, yeah, it's easy. the NBA playoffs that start. Yeah, today. And oh my uh, and oh I know my this goodness. is your favorite time of the year, mine too, in terms of sporting yeah. events. It's it's the highlight. Yeah. Here's my question. Let's say you're an NBA player. You get introduced. What song do you want to walk out to onto the court if you're an NBA player? Wow. Holy smokes. Mm. Oh, man. That's it. Well, can you go? You go first. Because you've clearly thought about this. One I have thought about it. Uh, it. It's a it's a two way tie between Motown Philly by Boys to Men, or uh, or Hip Hop Hooray by Naughty by Nature. I think that those are my two. Those have the the, the most fun beats that have the most memories for me. So I, I think that that would be fun. Okay, well, you know, what I'm going to say is uh, it's not a pop song. It's not like a song. You know, when I think of the NBA, I think of Michael Jordan. And when you think sure. of 1990s Chicago Ooh. Bulls, Michael Jordan, all you think of is that Chicago Bulls uh, theme song. The you know? Serious, the Serious yeah. is called, I, I believe, yeah. by the it Alan is. Parsons Project. so good so i can't i cannot fun. hear that song and not get chills it's the best man and, and then uh, of course i can't i want to just say from north carolina come on <laughs> from north carolina michael jordan 
come on. And it'd be awesome because then that would be the song. Everyone would get hyped up. And then I'd go out there and shoot 0 for 19. And uh, you'd be, you'd pull a John final. Starks uh, game seven <laughs> in the 1994 finals. More bricks than uh, Midwestern homes. All right. So let's get serious here. Now, yeah. we were just doing a little bit of recollection and a little bit of remembering. This next sermon series is about remembering. I always love to know where um, things come from. And so how did this um, this idea, because I, I, I see some of the books that you're reading, I know, I know a little, I see a little bit of stuff, but what stirred the fire in you that remembering um, was something that was critical? Was, was it a book? Was it an idea? Was, um, was, did, was it a casual conversation? What made you think, because this is called um, uh, Songs and Idols, or Idols and Songs, and, and it's about remembering and, and that. So just where did that come from? I'm just interested. Yeah, great question. Uh, well, it's probably two two things. One is um, I just personally am in a season of reflection uh, for a variety of reasons. Just thinking back on, um, you know, I've been in local church ministry for 18 years now. So uh, I, yeah, and this transition back for those who don't know, I, I used to be on staff at Westgate for a couple of years. I left and then I just came back in August and um we've been in covid so even though i've been back for like nine months i haven't seen anybody until the last couple months you know so as i've begun seeing people like on sundays people coming out and stuff and even our staff starting to slowly kind of make their way back into the office a little bit uh it's just made me really reflect like man this is wow it feels like a homecoming of sorts it's given me all sorts of feelings of nostalgia and it's been really cool. So that's led me down this path of just reflection in general on God's faithfulness in my life. And then uh, not too long ago, I read a book that you you know about, uh, Dave, called Here Are Your Gods by Christopher Wright, fantastic mm. theologian. And he, you know, he's talking about idolatry. And one of the things, the, the title of the book is taken from this story in Exodus 32, which we talked about in this week's teaching where the Israelites have been rescued by God out of Egypt and like God rescues them by parting the Red Sea. We all know that story. And then like a year later, just a year later, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai and they completely forget. <laughs> and they say, hey, they, they build this golden calf and they're like, hey, here's this calf. This is the God that brought us out of Egypt. It's like, what? Really? Yeah. You forgot? And and throughout the biblical text, especially in the Old Testament, God has this like common refrain, do not forget, remember, do not forget, remember. And so um, I just started thinking a lot about that, about the fact mm. that uh, forgetfulness is a real part of my own journey with God. I, I you know, know these truths. I, I've experienced these truths. The scripture confirms for me, you know, the truth about who God is, who I am, his love for me, all of that stuff. And yet in my day-to-day -day life, I just get so busy and, you know, things get chaotic and, um, and I forget. And so I thought it'd be great for us to spend a few weeks just talking about that, about forgetting and remembering. And then the third week of the series uh, is actually going to be a real celebration of remembering God's faithfulness specifically over the course of the last 20 years at Westgate Church. So we'll talk more about that when we get there. Yeah. You know, it strikes it strikes me that it's not just the Old Testament that talks about remembering. I mean, one of the primary things that Jesus leaves us with is the Eucharist, which is uh, a, a 
a semi-regular reminder that we're supposed to take to remember. So remembering is yeah. also a part of uh, of this. Uh, no, so if remembering so important, then I guess the question is: is like God knows that we are forgetful, <laughs> which is yeah. uh, interesting. I was reading this quote. I, I as I was preparing for this, um, I read this quote. And I'm going to read it to you because I don't think we've talked. I know we haven't talked about it. It's by a psychologist whose name I'm going to butcher. Mihaly Sizment Macaulay. Wow. I nice. can't e C-Z-I-K-S-Z-E-N-T-M-I-H-A-L-Y-I, which will not fit on the back of any jersey. Uh, so the psychologist wrote this book called Flow, and it's about brain science. He's a psychologist. Yeah. And uh, it says, when left to itself... The mind turns to bad thoughts, to trivial plans, to sad memories, and to worries about the future. Wow. Disorder, confusion, and decay are the default option of human consciousness. Mm. Isn't Boy. that incredible? So, so for me, when I was reading that, I, it made me think that remembering is not just something about idolatry, but also just about healing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's it's just yeah. an incredible thing. Why do you think that um, that's so if, if that is maybe a vestige of the fall of man, you know, just or kind of our sin nature? Why do you think it's so important to remember um, in, in terms of why, why God commands this? What does it do for you, like personally and pastorally? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, we have this, I think sometimes we have this assumption that um once we know a thing, you know, it's kind of lodged in our memory and it's always going to be there. And then we can, you know, it never runs out. It never has an expiration date and we can just kind of go about our lives and, you know, but, but human experience tells us that that's so not true that in fact, I think, I love that quote you just read, man. What, like what a mind blower, but what is so true. I think forgetfulness is our default, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, he uses the word decay, and that's a that's a word we used in the teaching on Sunday. That that is one of the psychological reasons why we forget. Because when we don't rehearse ideas, when we don't ponder them deeply, when we don't um, fix our minds on them, fix our hearts on them, meditate on them, then ideas decay. Like even the most important ideas about like identity and meaning and destiny and purpose, like those things decay. I mean, uh, it's fas fascinating at this, you know, event that I'm at, there was a guy this morning at one of the sessions, he shared his own story about how he had grown up in a Christian home, but life got really hard and he found himself, um, uh, you know, wanting to end his own life. And, wow. um, and he said something really fascinating. He said that, uh, he had, he used these words that he had forgotten what was really true hmm. and that everything else about the chaos of his life at the time um, took over, you know, and it masqueraded as truth. And so I just think, I think we're more susceptible to forgetfulness than we think we are. And it's yeah. not as, it's not just simple things like forgetting our keys or forgetting to pick up the groceries on the way home. Um, it's, you know, sadly it's, 
it's some of the, the really important stuff of life, you know, and I said it in the teaching at South Hills, but forgetting erodes faithfulness and forgetting is the path to idolatry because of those reasons Yeah, is that when we forget the truth about who God is and who we are in light of him, um, that space doesn't just become empty. It, uh, uh, untrue things take up residence there yeah and yeah. Lead us down really dangerous paths so it's important to remember it, it's interesting because as i was reflecting on your message to remember i, I wondered if it was a and i wonder what your thoughts are on this um because you said you know hey look this this is a pathway to idolatry and i thought to myself i don't know if it's so much that i don't remember it's that i get so easily distracted because remembering is about focus and yeah. it's about time and it's about attention and and i feel like this world is more prone to distract me than i am to forget it's almost like it's like i'm, I'm like dory you know and the finding nemo it's like whoa look a whale you know what i mean what role yeah. do you think the distraction has in our because it does i maybe i'm wrong but it feels like, you know, people 400 years ago had, they didn't have TVs. The lights went down, yeah. the sun went down at eight o'clock and they had yeah. 10 hours of nothing to do. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a sense in which their lives were a bit slower. Do you think that our modern world distracts us in a way that makes it harder to remember? Or is that just modern people complaining? Oh man, dude, 100%. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this psychologist at the University of North Carolina, his name's Dan Coffer, and he did this study on how, for example, just as one example, how our, our sort of overuse of digital devices like our smartphones and the constant sort of scrolling is um, damaging our, our memories. He says that the more we rely on these types of information aids or sources, he's talking about smartphones and digital devices, he says the less work and processing our brains actually do. So actually, you know, the, the technological mediums that we're so accustomed to, our brains are definitely working, neurons are firing, but not sure. the parts of our brains that need to be exercised in order to embed long-term memory in us. That's oh, actually wow. shown by right. brain scans. Is that our, our brains fire in much more um, ephemeral, temporal places when we use digital technologies. So he says, you know, Coffer says, in other words, our brains do not have to work hard to obtain information so we don't retain it as well either. So oh. I think you're spot on. Like, and, and science is proving this, that yeah. the, the distractions, not just digital distractions, but so many other distractions. I, I think I read a stat not long ago that like the average American is exposed to over 5,000 advertisements a day. Yeah. You know, like it's so crazy. Well, I read, I read this stat that said 80 push notifications and buzzings a day for yourself, for your personal data assistant. That's 80 interruptions. That's 80 distractions. That's per day per person. That is so crazy. Like, you know, uh, our friend John Mark Comer in his yeah. book, The Ruthless Elimination yeah. of Hurry, he asks this really good question where he basically talks about how he um, set up his text messages to not notify him. And I've done the same and it's a game changer. So I don't get a notification when I get a text on my screen. I have to actually open my text to and see purposely go to it. Yeah. Is that why you don't text me back fast enough, Jay? Is that why? Is that why? My apologies. No, I'm uh, just kidding. But, but that's interesting said, that you do that. Hmm. Yeah. And he says, think about it. Would you allow 
just anybody to walk into your office or your home throughout the day as many times as you get text messages and just tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, can I grab you for a second? Like we wouldn't allow people to do that physically. That'd be insane. We couldn't focus or concentrate on anything. But the yeah. reality is, even though physically it looks like we're sort of focused on whatever is at hand, the reality is every time you get a little ping on your phone, mentally, it's just like if somebody like shook you awake and was like, hey, I know yeah. you're doing this thing, playing with your yeah. kids or reading your Bible yeah. or whatever, but pay attention to me. And that's happening, like you said, like 80 times a day. That's crazy. So yeah, I definitely think that that plays a major part. So one of the things I also want to talk about is slow work, deep work. You know, the idea that in uh, in one of my seminary professors, and that sounds arrogant to say or weird to say, his name's Tim Mackey. You know, he's I take classes from Western, and I get to like learn from Tim Mackey. One of the things he keeps calling the Bible is Jewish meditation literature. He calls the Old Testament this, and that that you know, and I I never he he says this intentionally. And the yeah. reason why is because when he teaches or when he gives these lectures or or these even these sermons. Uh, there's no application at the end. And I've always found that fascinating because he like breaks all the rules. They always say when you're preaching, you're going to have application. And I'm reading like the Puritans on this other side and the Puritans, I'll have a sermon. I'll have 19 points of application and they, they have applied the heck out of that text. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But Mackey's like, just, why don't you go home and get like a, 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 you know, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and just really think about this for a long time. Yeah. And that's th th this idea of meditation. And I wonder if meditation on scripture is actually part of what it means to remember in, yeah. in this, and that that's the, the rehearsing of that. And in a world and in a pace full of so much speed, if maybe one of the things we can't best help our people do is to slowly meditate, is that part of also what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, you know, that Deuteronomy passage, Hey, fix these words, fix these thoughts, fix these ideas, you know, on your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. This whole concept that we have to ponder deeply, we have to rehearse, we have to immerse ourselves in, um, yeah. you know, that work. Uh, you mentioned deep work, you know, that's the title of a book that you and I both love by Cal Newport. Mm -hmm. And in deep work, he's got this line, he says that human beings, I'm paraphrasing him, but he basically says like human beings are at their best when they are deeply immersed in something challenging. Yeah. And he's not, that's not conjecture. He's actually basing that on brain science and all of that. And the reason is, the reason that's important is most of us think like, I'm not going to do it. I I'm not going to fix the words of God on my heart and mind today because it's been a long day and I'm tired and I need to rest. And, and really what that choice is, that choice is a value statement, right? And it's a statement of belief. It is the belief. It's, it's a value statement in that you are true. You, you are making a conscious decision to value um, immediate rest over and above what seems on the surface, like the hard work of, reading the Bible and spending some time in scripture. But more importantly, it's like a belief statement. It's the belief that you, it's the belief that reading scripture is a chore and that it doesn't actually lead you to true rest, you know, true peace. And yeah. Yeah. I think we stop, I think, you know, when it comes to leisure, I think we, 
we it's not that we have too much leisure it's that we have shallow leisure <laughs> yeah I, I think that you know god god is not about shallow leisure he wants us to really rest in him which requires hard work on the front end but then we experience this really deep rest and it's i think it's in that place of deep rest that the truths the memories that we have to hold on to um embed themselves in more permanent ways uh and man i just think that's so critically important yeah, I, I wanted to read a, a quote to you. Um, um, it was a, a quote by a guy by the name of um, Thomas Moore, and he wrote this book called Care of the Soul. Yeah. And uh, it was just about, and it's about meditation. And, and he says, the great malady of the 20th century implicated in all of our problems individually and socially is the loss of the soul. When the soul is neglected, it doesn't just go away. It appears symptomatically in obsessions and addictions, violence and loss of meaning. Our temptation is to isolate the symptoms and try to eradicate them one by one. But the root problem is that we have lost our wisdom about the soul, even our interest in it. And he says, we've come to know the soul only in its complaints when it stirs, disturbed by neglect and abuse and causes us to feel its pain. And for me, I think when your soul's you know, you know, David calls out to his soul and says, why are you so bothered? There's a meditation in which you bring your whole soul forward. You're aware of what's happening. And then you bring that before God in meditation and then let his word kind of do that. And, and there's, there's a sense in which that is something that can't be shortcutted to your point. That's either a priority or it's not. We're either going to be whole or we're not. So let me ask you, as an introvert, is this own for you, what are some things that have helped you with meditation? What are some things that, um, like, as people are like, well, Jay, that sounds awesome. Like, what do you do? Like, do you have a, a time, a day that you do it? Do you, is there a practice that you particularly do it? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, this is just descriptive, not prescriptive. I, I think. Oh, sure. It's not monolithic. It's got to be the right thing for you. So all I can do is just share what works for me. Oh, totally. Yeah. Some of, some of it is just my season of life. So I have two really young kids who are awake by 645 or seven every day. So yeah, if I, if I want some quiet time, it either comes after 8 PM when they're in bed or by which point I'm pretty exhausted or um, early in the morning. So I try to, I'm, I'm usually up by about five and trying to get some work done before they wake up. But I always start with scripture and prayer. And that sounds way more, um, you know, holy and spiritual than it actually is. It's usually quite boring. And sometimes it's quite short. Other times it's extended. And, and every now and then it's like really moving. But I'd say like 80% of the time, it's just ritual. That's all it is. It's just ritual. And but the reason I do it is because though I don't see the results in real time necessarily, I definitely feel the results over the long span of weeks, months, and years. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just a ritual, just a practice, a consistent practice. I don't do it every day, you know, um, on weekends, I usually take weekends off and try to sleep a little later, but Monday to Friday, I'm up at five and make a cup of coffee and then um, some prayer, you know, time with the Lord in prayer 
and some time in the in the word and then I, I get to work on some things but um, that simple practice has been really helpful for me and then most evenings I, I try to get some reading in and I usually am trying to read not always but I'm usually trying to read something that um, is sort of calming and nourishing for my heart and mind and uh, that's kind of a cool space you know to, to be yeah. in with the lord as well so so usually something by you know like john grisham is that that's pretty much what you're reading then <laughs> yeah yeah usually well mostly what i do is i just reread all of michael Crichton's jurassic park books over yeah i'm sure day. just over lost world and just Super keep going beautiful, very calm yeah <laughs> um okay so let me ask you a question uh you're an introvert is there any, it feels to me, and I could be wrong, it feels to me like that, that kind of discipline of bringing one's soul before God is by itself like an individual thing. Like there's no, there's no way to like short circuit. It's like nutrition. Nobody else is responsible for your own nutrition, right? You got to figure out what works for you, right? Is there a, a, a corporate, because uh, I'm a raging extrovert. Um, and I have some thoughts on this, but is there a corporate way to remember too? Because one of the things I love to do is at the end of the day, what I do with my kids and with my family, I love to sit around and sit around the dinner table. We have this outdoor patio and we like talk about the day and what we're learning. And we kind of dissect where we saw like good things and we reflect on God's goodness and what we're excited about. Um, we'll reflect on, you know, some, some different parts. It, so for me, I'm such an extrovert. I love rehearsing and remembering God's goodness in a corporate sense. Have you seen that work for you? Or, I mean, I know that you're more of an introvert, but have you seen kind of a corporate remembering uh, be effective as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I actually think that corporate remembering is the primary biblical motif for memory. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. So uh, particularly, you know, and what I mean by that, it's not that individual memory doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. I mean, the Deuteronomy 11 passage, you know, fix these words on your hearts and minds. I mean, there is a way to make that very personal. And I think that that's true. But, you know, if you continue reading the passage, it says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down right? Them on your door frames. So yeah, I, I actually think the primary way that we remember is to remember not simply that I am the son or daughter of God, <clears throat> but first and foremost, to remember that we are the people of God. Yeah. You know? And um, that's certainly true in the Exodus story. That is the way God instructs them. And so what you do with your family is critically important. You know, my kids are younger than yours. They're six and then almost three, but even for us every night, every night without fail, you know, we spend time praying together and Jenny and I will ask them, you know, to name at least one or two things they're thankful for, for the day. Yeah. And they'll yeah. pray these yeah. simple little prayers. Thank you, Jesus for, and then whatever. And sometimes my son is like the crackers or my toy. Listen, Listen, goldfish are delicious. There's no reason why Simon should not thank the Lord for, uh, for goldfish, especially flavor blasted. Have you tried those? Those no, are incredible. <laughs> yeah, so he knows what's up. He knows what's up. With the, with the, his, his cracker game is strong, is what I'll yeah, say. I get it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I think that's really important. And we're doing it just like you. Like, the hope is that it embeds memory. At the end yeah. of the day, yeah. we want to remember this wasn't just a day. It wasn't just another 24-hour cycle. God was here. God was with us. And the good in our lives 
is a gift from God and the struggles and the pains, uh, though they are hard, we can, we can surrender, surrender them to the Lord and trust that um, he has uh, good intentions for us. And so we try to do that every day. And that's why, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the teaching, but like, you know, um, surrounding ourselves with the right cues, you know, this is why the church matters so much. This is why, yeah. you know, it matters that we sing together and that we listen together and that we have conversations in the courtyard. And that's not an extrovert thing. That's just a human thing. You know, yeah. I need it just as much as you need it, whether I'm introverted or extroverted or something in between. So yeah, I, de- I I'm in total agreement with you. I think that it is a communal thing. Memory is first and foremost a communal thing. It, it strikes me that w- one of the things that has been so hard about COVID or was so hard for me about COVID was not um, not having the liturgy of being reminded every week by yep. um, a, a pastor or preacher, um, basically a priest, <laughs> reminding me that we're all here together and we're here to serve God and he's bigger than all these things. And then all of a sudden the world started getting out of control and it felt like the world was out of control and I didn't have that weekly reminder, you know, and it, I, I really think I felt it and yeah. um, it really not gathering with, with, with God's people and, and rehearsing he's in control. He's our King. Jesus is the Lord. We're going to sing some songs to him. We're going to listen uh, to some Bible stories that or some scriptures that remind us of that. That really actually, that's one of the reasons why I hated 2020 because that, that was gone, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I can try to rehearse that in my house, but there's something about having a couple of hundred people say, Jesus is my King and he is it there. And we are going to sing a song. There's something, maybe that is my humanness, but there's definitely an extroversion in that. That's definitely so. a reminder. Well, when you say it's your humanness, I would say, yes, it is your humanness, but I think it is your humanness and the most sort of imago day version of humanness you know that in the beginning yeah. god um, made all things and it was all good except the one thing that you know it wasn't good for man to be alone or that in the very beginning god the father speaks a word we're told jesus is the word and that the spirit of god was hovering over the waters of the deep like god the one god exists in this communal yes yeah. you know so that is yes it is human to want to be with others and to not be alone and that is that is a good thing about humanity yeah well jay i'm excited to dive into this uh i'm excited to to, to remember the practice of remembering and this is so funny because we're gonna have to come back to this because we're gonna forget that remembering is good and this is, <laughs> this is the irony this yeah. i'm gonna have to remind myself to not forget that remembering is good. And that's just really stupid. And I, I guess I am like Dory. I guess I have the, the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> so awesome. thanks for the series and I'm excited. And and I'm also excited, um, I'm excited when we get to be together and we, the more that we remind each other to do this, the I just think the better we are. It's like, we, it's so easy to forget. And and as a highly emotional person, I, I'm an, my, my emotions scream at me. I really need this, and you know, I, I, this is why I so appreciate you. This, these rational reminders of thoughtful people. No, the world and its circumstances, your emotions and their 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 shouts are not reality uh, at its truest. That that you need to take these things captive. You need to to think through these things. You need to re- remember what's true because otherwise, the the circumstances of my life, good or bad, and the and the and the shouts of my emotions, good or bad, will just overtake me. And so, this remembering is a settling. 
it's a reminder, it's an ordering. And so it's been, I'm really excited about it as just personally, as, as the way that God's built me, because I need to remember um, frequently. And it's not like a weekly thing I need to be remember. It's like daily, sometimes hourly. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what happens next. Me so too. thanks. Yeah, thanks for this. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, man. Thank you. All right. Good luck at your conference and we'll talk to you soon. Just want to say thanks again to Jay Kim for stopping by. Just so you know, Jay's already feeling better. I just talked to him. He's almost back to 100%. So you don't need to send him get well cards or flowers. In lieu of flowers, Jay asked simply that you just email us at staff at westgatechurch.org and just tell us what your walk-up song would be if you were a Major League Baseball player or what song you'd want to play as you entered if you were an NBA player. That's all we ask. Is that important? No. But the title of the sermon series is Idols and Songs. So you know, just kind of fits. Anyway, we'll see you next week for week two of Idols and Songs.